posting. Alex, I had so much fun. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you get it right off the right way? Monday morning, oh, motherfucker. Oh, 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 I'm just gonna hit end broadcast and just end this right off the bat. It's the correct response. Um, so I, I, right up front, beginning of the show, uh, we're not quite sure how this is gonna look on the other end, given that uh, I left this bag full of stuff in my parents' lake house. Don't have proper Ethernet cords, so I'm running off kind of spotty Wi-Fi. So if there is audio lag, if there is some weirdness, uh, you can you can blame me and and yell at me in the chat. Um, but but do know that we're aware that there are problems, but unfortunately, uh, we can't do a whole lot about them. So it, as long as this even stays up, uh, that will be. I feel that will be a victory given what I've tried to overcome this morning. A minor miracle of sorts. Uh, Patrick, how are you doing? How was your weekend? You were out at the lake house. What did you end up doing this weekend? I just did a whole lot of nothing. We have this uh, this thing called the, the Clubic Open. Uh, it's an annual tradition with uh, my dad's side of the family where everyone gets together and pretends to be uh, good at golf. Uh, I am especially... Uh, trying to pretend to be good at golf, but that is that is not the case. I do fi- I, fun, but uh, yeah. I am just. I should probably take a lesson. I, you can't just really go out there and make it up. Otherwise, no. you're just going to be hitting dirt for three I've done that. hours. I, I've done that thing where you pretend that you know how to play golf, and then you try to hit a golf ball, and the golf ball does not go the way that uh, it goes when actual golfers hit a golf ball. Uh, in fact, it usually only goes maybe like 10 or 15 feet into the dirt, if that. Yeah, which uh, is, you know, when you don't know what you're doing, it's still fun for maybe about an hour, and then it just becomes it becomes a little frustrating. Yeah, maybe uh, just will, a tad. But what, what, it turned out uh, pretty well, given that I don't really care how well I do, uh, but I'm there, you know, because it's a family thing. And my brother cares very much how well he does, uh, and I still managed to beat him by a stroke, uh, which maybe, maybe nice. I'm better than I think I am. Patrick Klepnik, stroking. Exactly. Yeah. See. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, it is Grand Theft Auto Five review day. It is the eve before the release of Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh, there were some mild ambitions of, of maybe trying to have Jeff Gersman on this morning show, uh, but it fell through due to this this thing called meetings and yeah. obligations. Some bullshit. I don't know. Um. Dude is always up mad early, and then, you know, the one time we actually get him up mad early with something relevant to talk to, he's got to go, you know, do a bunch of meetings. That sucks. It is. So uh, while I was scrambling to even get this this crappy version of Internet up and running on my computer, uh, you said you actually read a couple of the reviews. And there's a review up on the site. Jeff, yep. Jeff put one up, too, so you should read that as well. But have you noticed any sort of, like, through line of the criticism so far? I have. So I've, I, I basically, once 10 o'clock hit, I just started skimming and reading reviews. Uh, I got through Kotaku's, I got through Joysticks, uh, Polygons, I skimmed through uh, Destructoids and GameSpots and a couple of other ones that I'm going to go back and read the rest of at some point. Because um, that's what I do on, on big game day reviews. You know, I like to go through and just try and read as many different uh, perspectives as I can. And... You know, the general perspective seems to be they made another Grand Theft Auto game. Uh, They made one that is a little bit better about supporting the kind of side experience of, of, you know, of playing Grand Theft Auto, which is to say, yes, it has all the dumb minigames, which are all kind of meaningless and whatever, but that there's probably a little bit more to the the kind of you know non straight story through line experience uh, than in previous iterations, which is something that series has always had a little bit of a problem with. 
The other, uh, and this is this is the most pointed criticism I keep seeing, is that the satire, you know, as good as the uh, the Housers are, at, or at least have been, about skewering kind of American culture and you know the American dream and what have you. There is, you know, that that satire remains very much the same in that it takes a lot of the same pot shots. It punches at about the same weight class it's been punching at for, you know, at least the last few sequels and doesn't really do anything too uh, spectacular in terms of, you know, it's, it's satire or it's comedy. It just kind of takes a lot of the same same uh, same shots and... I guess that doesn't really surprise me because I, in talking to Jeff before he wrote his review, and, and he actually says this in in his review, um, there's a there's you know sometimes a feeling that uh, especially with the GTA games, you know some to some extent with all Rockstar products, but especially with the GTA stuff, there's usually a feeling that those games are kind of developed a little bit in a bubble. Um, they're kind of you know the Housers have their their little cone of seclusion that they like to operate in. They don't seem like they're really too worried about what other people are doing in the open world genre. They just want to make their thing. And in doing that, it I you know I, it's something I felt a little bit in GTA 4. And obviously I haven't played five yet, so I can't say for certain whether this is the case. But it seems like because they're hitting a lot of the same notes with that stuff, you know the 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 humor and the bitingness of it is not necessarily there. Which I think, in some cases, might be giving some people the like, you know, not so great feelings about some of the stuff that they go for in that game when it comes to some of the comedy bits, because because it doesn't feel all that fresh or that new. It seems like it's just kind of hitting a lot of the same points, and that's, you know, for me, I love the GTA sense of humor, but I also have played through it, you know, five, six times at this point if you count like the PSP games and stuff. So. You know, hearing that they're kind of you know still making fun of reality TV, still yeah. There was a, I think a line in Jeff's review where. No, go ahead. Um, there was a line in Jeff's review, I think, where he talked about where you can, you know, you take that sort of biting, sort of criticism, uh, or you know, of the American dream, the sort of satirical nature that that Rockstar has done in the past, and they've, you know, you just kind of swap out. Well, okay, well this time they're cracking jokes about you know. Fracking and, yeah. and and reality shows and you know things that weren't there the last time around and that yeah maybe the jokes do land but on some level it starts to feel a, a little strange that you know the structure is so similar they're just putting in updated references yeah and I you know for me it's like I didn't really expect anything too different because I mean if if we're really looking honestly back at the GTA series and I've been on board pretty much since three. Um, which I think is where most people would say they got on board. You know, it, there there is a distinct lack of of meaningful evolution when it comes to uh, the sort of yeah the comedy writing, the satire, that sort of stuff. Like it, it it is just you know it's a template, and they're just putting in the references that you know like they're looking at CNN one day. It's like all right, well what's what's everyone yelling about right now? Okay, well we'll just you know like you said the fracking and the 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 meth dealing stuff and all that shit. Like it it all feels a little bit like. You know, they're just they're just kind of you know going down the usual cultural touchstones with their same you know Mad Libs tablet of comedy. I'm probably going to be fine with that because I think that you know as much as it's been done, that Mad Libs tablet is usually still pretty funny. Um, but it is a little disappointing to hear that they haven't really branched out that much. I mean, the 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 narrative it sounds like is definitely more ambitious in the sense that it has the three characters. 
the way you switch around between those characters and the way that the missions are designed with those characters' personalities. You know, like the, the, the crazy meth dealer dude is the one who does all the mayhem and psycho missions, whereas, you know, the, the, the sort of more, you know, uh, as Jeff put it, gangster shit is uh, reserved for Franklin, who is the, the character from the, the sort of, you know, Compton equivalent uh, in, in the game. And that, you know, it, like that stuff sounds interesting to me. It sounds like fun. I'm just a little bummed that, you know, they didn't necessarily branch out a little bit, you know, and didn't try to do something a little bit more, I, I don't want to say, you know, radically different, but at least something just a little bit shifted away from the tried-and-true Grand Theft Auto sense of humor. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like, uh, you know, and again, this is all from a perspective of reading other people's impressions of a game that we'll both start playing tomorrow, but that it's, it does feel like maybe in some ways there are playing a little safe, and maybe you have to play it a little safe when you're spending, you know, four to five years developing one of these games, but, you know, the reason GTA 3 and, and that trilogy in general is looked down, is looked up at uh, so endearingly is because every single time a new one of those came out, it was just push the industry forward, push the industry forward. Like, it was just, that's the reason, other than them just being terrific games, like, there was so much anticipation around them, and I think Ford did that, and you know as many issues as I do have with Ford, did that in some pretty uh, important ways as well. And the fact that they oh, yeah. decided to take such a tonal shift and say we're going to get serious, that was that was pretty ballsy of Rockstar, having, given how like wild and crazy and comedic they were getting in San Andreas. But uh, it does feel like, in some ways, more of the stuff where they're pushing the boundaries is is happening outside of the GTA series and not as much in the GTA series, which you know. GTA, even a, a slightly less impressive or revolutionary GTA is still a pretty damn good game that I'm going to have a lot of fun with. You know, that's kind of like when when we start talking about games like uh, a Grand Theft Auto V, it also comes with all these caveats that it's like your expectations are so high for what a company like this can pull off that when they don't go the extra step, it, it, it is all the more glaring than it would be with any other developer or any other franchise because they've set the expectations so high for what they're able to accomplish every time. Yeah, and, you know, those expectations obviously are kind of a blessing and a curse, and that's something that I think makes, you know, GTA Review Day always pretty interesting because, I don't know, I mean, it, it, when you look back on that series and its history with criticism, it's like, yeah, those games usually just got, you know, fives and tens and whatever, you know, I mean, those have always kind of been the, the, the people have always fawned over the GTA games, again, less so with the PSP titles, but with all the main, you know, uh, releases, like, people have loved them to death. And then there's always, and, and especially with 4, there's like this little bit of backlash toward that, you know, and in, you know, in the case of 4, I think that some of it was justified, some of it, I, I still think GTA 4 is a really good game. I think that it sometimes get unne it gets unnecessarily shit upon because it is definitely like the least, I, I would say, thrilling or exciting of the GTAs uh, of the main ones, but... You know, reading the reviews today and then kind of looking briefly, briefly at some of the comment sections and immediately seeing people, like, latch on to every negative response and simultaneously every positive response and sort of picking it apart like crazy. That's why I'm kind of glad I've never really had to review these games because I just the, the way that people sort of latch on to every little detail and, you know, have, you know... Preemptive opinion forming is already a major issue in video games. I feel like that is never more the case than with Grand Theft Auto. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but yeah. No, that that is absolutely the case, and it's why I, you know, 
made my offhanded comment this morning of I was looking I was more looking forward to reading the comments than I was than to, to reading the actual reviews themselves. Good luck with because, that. <laughs> I mean, and, and mostly that's just you know because of the expectations that go into this, and you know it, it, this game more than any other highlights sort of the. You know, sort of like people are often people are going into reviews to sort of have their, uh, you know, established expectations sort of just validated as opposed right. to, I wonder what this, you know, this reviewer actually thought about the game. And often the comments have a cognitive dissonance where it's just more about, well, girl, I'm so angry that they haven't validated what, you know, I thought the game was going to be or with this other reviewer that I like more. And, you know, I mean, that that's just a traditional disconnect between the reviewer and, and the people who uh, maybe consume the reviews that, uh, isn't going anyway, anywhere. Like it's 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 been a problem. It's always going to be a problem, um, and it just becomes highlighted and you know part of a snark fest on Twitter um, as that sort of plays out on on GTA Review Day. But um, I I I jumped into the series at three. I played a little yeah. bit of one and two, but is that is that where you jumped into? Yeah, I didn't play. I never played two. I tried one later on because I got it as part of a you know Steam bundle at some point, and I was like, well, I just kind of want to see what this was like. Um, and yeah, those early GTA games, you know, I, I understand. You know, the pre three D GTA stuff doesn't do a whole lot for me uh, personally. So three three was where I started, and what that was the one that hooked me. And I've played, I think, with the exception of the of one of the handheld ones, like the one of the DS games. I think I've played pretty much every GTA thing since then. Yeah, and I I I started in three, and what was interesting was that you know three was given, you know, the fact that it had sort of a a pretty good story in there was was one of the big reasons that you know other than the fact that it had this big sort of like living breathing open world, I never finished three. Like yeah. I never got even close to finishing three because. I was so transfixed by the world itself that I just sat around with friends, swapped around the controller, and we basically just had races to see how long you could maintain, you know, a full star status and still be alive. And then at some point, you'd have someone that was smart enough to remember there was a cheat code, and they'd swap in a tank and then and then blow everyone's time away. Yeah, I uh, I, I did some similar. I mean, I ended up finishing all the PS2 ones, and uh, I eventually it took me a long time to finish four, but I did. Uh, but I would do the same thing, especially in Vice City, actually. Vice City was the one me and my friends really got super hot into just sitting around and playing uh, and just driving around the world because that soundtrack and just the visual aesthetic of that game, um, you know, it, it, that one probably had some of my favorite missions of any of the GTAs, but, like, in terms of just running around that world and doing dumb shit, uh, Vice City was the first one that, like, 3 was great. 3 had a lot of, you know, a lot of good environmental stuff, but 3 also... Silent protagonist, not as good of a soundtrack. You know, it was like a lot of formative ideas that hadn't really come to fruition yet. I think Vice City for me was the one that solidified that franchise as like the thing. You know, the sort of the cultural touchstone that it is now. Didn't Didn't Vice City have a film grain too? That like a filter you could turn on and off? Am I crazy? <sighs> I don't really remember. I, I it, there could have been something like that. That also could have ended up being like a PC mod at some point. I don't. I don't really remember, but uh, I do remember that it had a slightly different, you know, visual hue to it that might have just been something like that, you know, kind of transposed over the the main graphics. But I, I don't really remember it completely. And then I I want to say I played the first couple hours of San Andreas, but for for whatever reason that one that one didn't hook me. I don't know if maybe I was just tired of the genre, or maybe it was too big, or I was playing. I can't even remember what. I was probably just more interested in getting drunk at college at the time because I think sure. San Andreas came out just as I was 
entering college, but that's like the one glaring of the sort of modern GTA games that I like didn't spend any any time in. Yet, you know, I constantly hear that that is you know some people's favorite uh, favorite GTA game. It's it, that one almost lost me a couple of times because it's so sprawling and it's so. Um, there's there's so much weird dumb shit to do because that was the first one that introduced to shit like where you had to go eat or you had to go exercise uh, you had to do all these like little minute things to kind of keep your life in order. And I remember a couple of times thinking that that was just more than I really wanted to deal with. I didn't want my character to get fat. I didn't want him to get lazy, but I also didn't necessarily want to go you know have him do all these these extra things. So you know I a couple of times I almost fell off of it and then I came back and I ended up finishing it and. I don't. I think. I think that a lot of people. A lot of people love San Andreas because it is the largest of that era. It's like the biggest GTA game of that era. It's got one of the most distinct atmospheres. That and I think Vice City probably have the two most distinct of the series. And then it also uh, it has that jetpack. People love that fucking jetpack. You know that 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 thing. You know that that was sort of like everyone's favorite traversal thing for a long time was just flying around in that damn jetpack. I don't blame them. Jetpacks are awesome. So you know that's that's a reasonable thing to latch onto. Well, I think that highlighted sort of the absurdity of where that franchise had sort of come to a head because I think you, you know, GTA, you know, 3 on has always had this real tonal disconnect between you have a narrative that is often pretty serious but is, you know, willing to go comedic and go light and be weird, you know, if it, if it wants to do that but is often sort of grounded and pretty serious and trying to, you know, you know for, at least from the Hauser's perspective, like try and impart some sense of, uh, the human experience, you know, funneled through this, like, you know, crime spree. Um, but that, and, and it seemed like they just seemed to be having more and more fun with their ability to do stuff in this world while they would then simultaneously have this serious narrative. And then it, you know, with 4, seemed to recognize that as, I don't know if it was because the technology was allowing them to, you know, create more realistic worlds and they sort of saw that this disconnect wasn't working for them or they, you know, it's hard to say because these guys, you know, unlike a lot of other prominent designers, aren't exactly out there in the media that often explaining themselves or justifying themselves, which I think also lends to sort of the mythic nature of these games is because with everything else, we know so much about all these games, why they're made, the motivations, and, and Grand Theft Auto, that, that largely still remains kind of a mystery for as big as they are. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're the only people who can get away with sending an email a week ahead of time saying, hey, we're going to update the website with a new trailer next week. Get ready for it. Because in, in, from any other developer or publisher, that would just sound like really obnoxious hubris. And even, frankly, from Rockstar, it's a little bit like obnoxious hubris. But, you know, they can get away with it because they know everyone is hanging on every goddamn detail of those games. When it, As soon as they unveil those things, as soon as they have them in a place where they can show them, they know that they have everyone in the palm of their hand. And, you know, whether that mystique is still justified or not, you know, I'll leave up to people to decide after they've had the chance to actually play five. Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to make a judgment call on it, but I also think it, it is, I'm starting to wonder if that kind of, you know, mentality, if that sort of, you know, it, it, if, if GTA's mystique and it's sort of, uh, you know, that, 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 that overall vibe is, is going to continue to, to hold I don't know. It just seems like culturally, you know, games are shifting in a lot of different ways. Um, Grand Theft Auto has been, you know, for uh, for all the ways it's evolved, it's been functionally the same since 2001. They've continued to add things, they've continued to change things, they've continued to tweak things, but they have been making Grand Theft Auto games like this 
for 12 years now. Uh, not regularly, but, you know, for like 12 years now. And I don't know, you know, I start to read things in, in the reviews now where people are like starting to point out the fact that, hey, these guys are really terrible at writing female characters. Hey, sometimes this casual racism gets a little too not casual and gets a little fucked up in places. Hey, maybe it's kind of weird that there's waterboarding in this game. You know, like shit like that that just... You know, and, and it, like five or six, seven years ago, people would have just been like, that's amazing, that's so cutting edge, that's edgy as shit, man, that's crazy. And now people are maybe a little different, a little more sensitive, a little bit, you know... There's there's just a different culture around games, and I'm wondering if some of that stuff is really going to... If it's going to be able to maintain that mystique and that air of sort of, you know, intense importance, you know, after ever all is said and done with this one. I mean, as someone that... that likes the GTA games, uh, but by and large tends to have a much more affinity for the other games that Rockstar produces. I've, you know, unabashedly a huge lover of Bully, think it's the best totally. thing that they've ever put out, um, uh, with the exception of the Mexico arc and Red Dead Redemption. I think that game is unbelievable. That ending is easily top ten endings in a video game. Um, love that game. Um, didn't care for Max Payne 3 that much, but uh, in general, I, I three was good. I I really liked one and two, and I mean I know that was you know more remedy than, than right. Rockstar, but they obviously had put their stamp on it too. So, but but I guess what I'm getting at is that is GTA is this enormous moneymaker. It is sort of the it has been the pillar at the center of of their parent company Take Two for years, while Take Two has tried to and been largely successful at uh, finding other revenues of income in between uh, tentpole GTA releases, and even if the GTA series never, I guess, I don't know, progressive is the, long, the wrong word, but like, if it doesn't continue to be as interesting as I would, would like to see that series be, if all it does is continue to be this tentpole franchise that in the peripheral allows Rockstar to continue being weird and strange and trying crazy things, like, then please, let the GTA series stick around, be super popular, because it's largely irrelevant to me in the long term, whether that series continues to be, you know, interesting to me, because they're clearly interested in doing crazy stuff on the side. It's not like they're becoming less relevant, but you know, it's it's just not. I don't care if the GTA series sort of falls off for me as long as it continues to make money and allows them to do whatever the hell they want, because they're definitely they're definitely maintaining that edge in other places, even if it, you know, isn't necessarily manifesting itself in in GTA Five nearly as much. Yeah, no, and that's and that, I, I agree with that because I'm 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 with you on on most of those those Rockstar games. I mean, even fucking even the Warriors was you know one of those games. Hell that, yeah, like, not I, even that's a great game. Yeah, that is a, that is a spectacular game that I've actually thought about replaying recently. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love it when Rockstar gets weird, when they get experimental, when they get crazy, and you know, I think if I have any problem with the GTA series over the last couple of iterations, again, not having played five, so I can't say one way or the other about this one, but is that, you know, for all the experimenting and all the crazy shit that they're doing, a lot of it is just, you know, we have this formula for what a Grand Theft Auto game is supposed to be and has to be. And, you know, I this one at least futzes with the narrative formula and it has the three protagonists. It does some different stuff there. The stuff with the heist mission sounds really interesting. I like the idea that you actually have to go collect things like a getaway car and, you know, ski masks and guns and all that shit. Like, that, that, that sounds pretty great. I wish that they would let themselves get a little... I wish that they would let themselves branch out of the typical arcs of crime fiction that they sometimes seem to lean a little too heavily on, 
Like, I'm glad that they are, you know, heavily referencing, you know, things like heat in this game, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the high stuff, but, like, that movie came out in 1995, and they've referenced Heath before, and other games have done that before, and it's like, cool, that's great, I love this high stuff, I love that they are including a soundtrack that sounds sort of like the Heath soundtrack at times, but, you know, a lot of this crime fiction stuff that you guys are leaning on is stuff that you have leaned on before, you know, I would love to see them find a way to spiral out a narrative that is not just, you know, a lot of references to movies and TV shows and books that they have already referenced many times over, I guess, is kind of what I'm trying to get at. And, and, and I think, you know, when you, when you read reviews that, you know, start to comment on, you know, maybe some of the, the casual racism that maybe doesn't hold up as much anymore and, you know, the lack of female characters, I think the through line of those comments... It, don't necessarily look at them necessarily at their face value of what they're saying. It's like, man, I wish Rockstar would just, you know, I think the 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 backlash to that is like, oh, we don't want them shoehorning anything just to be, you know, progressive and liberal, which is, you know, part of their satire, but is not necessarily reflective in the narrative itself. Um, but I think where that those comments come from a place where it's just echoing what you're saying, which is that some of the touchstones are just becoming kind of boring and cliche, and. I'd like to see them pull from different sources, pull from different places, because they clearly work at best when they are sort of riffing off of things that they love and turning it into their own thing, which is yeah. fine. Like, you don't, you know, the, the idea that everything is original is a fallacy. Um, it's just a matter of what you can do based on uh, what influences you, and that's, and that's fine. I think when you start to see this increase of comments about how they handle certain aspects of the narrative, mostly comes from a place of just saying, look, you guys are in a position to uh, to do whatever you want. Why not pull from some more interesting touchstones? It doesn't necessarily have to mean that there's a female protagonist or a female villain. I think that just, for me, it's mostly saying, you guys are in a, such a privileged position. It's not that you have to go out and blaze a trail with a, a female protagonist. It's more just, like, I think maybe we're becoming a little bit bored of the you know, the heat references and the heists. Like, it's still going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are just diminishing returns to continuing to going back to that well, given that whenever they go outside of that well, and this is where why I get so excited about their other games, because that when they go outside of that wheelhouse, it's so clear that they're unbelievably good at it and, and yeah. that the, their their talents and sort of that biting satire and, and their approach works well in other contexts, other settings with other characters. And... So all of these, I think, criticisms mostly are coming from a, that place of you guys are better than this sometimes, and it's not that this isn't fun, but you know you could be doing so much more. Um, yeah. So I don't know that that's where I feel like you know you get these you know offhanded comments about a you know a, a female protagonist, but it is more about this idea that you guys do so much good work other places, like do a little bit more of that in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it's not specifically about any one criticism. It's about the idea of just taking that series and taking those ideas and, and branching them out beyond what they've already done. And, you know, again, GTA V, have not played it. For all I know, you know, it, it could... I mean, I'm this, what, I, what I know of that game comes from talking to Jeff and talking to other people who played it. And what I gather is that it has a lot of the same references and a lot of the same ideas, you know, just with a slightly more world-weary, middle-aged kind of bent on it, because, you know, at least two of the characters are kind of middle-aged men sort of going through their, you know, their crises, uh, respectively. And I think that's interesting, because it, it does sort of, and, and Jeff said this to me when I was talking about the review a little bit, like, 
you know, it almost seems a little bit like the Housers are kind of going through their own, you know, not necessarily midlife crisis, but they are sort of reflecting on some of that stuff with that game, you know, and those characters kind of going through some of that shit. But they're still doing it in the same way with the same kinds of jokes and the same kinds of references they've been making forever. And I think that's, you know, the Housers like what they like. They re- they're going to reference what they're going to reference. But, you know, as you've said, I, I love it when they, they try and, and just do something kind of batshit crazy and outside their comfort zone. And I'm, I'm worried that GTA is just too much of a comfort zone now. It's too much of, well, we just need to make this bigger and more violent and let's look at pop culture references we can throw in. You know, at a certain point, if that's all you're doing, you're making... I because I, I, I don't mean this as insultingly as it sounds, but you're basically making the equivalent of like those, you know, Friedberg and Seltzer movies, like, you know, uh, epic movie and vampires suck and that kind of shit, where you're just going down the list of pop culture references and just, okay, well, what's what's in the news today? All right, well, we're making fun of this. Here we go. You know, obviously those games are smarter than that, but it's it, 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 at a point, if that's all you're referencing, it just feels a little bit lazy to me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Jeff's line of, uh, in his review of finally uh, saying he's done with driving, you know, checkpoint checkpoint races as a suitable open world uh, side objective. Well, especially um, after after Saints Row Four, because I, I played a whole lot of that this weekend. You know, I sank like like solid twelve hours into that this weekend, and man, yeah, as soon as I got enough speed and jump to fuck around in that world and just you know kind of go all over the place, I have not gotten into a car except for a mission. Like, if they specifically make me drive someone somewhere, I will do it. But otherwise, I don't even use cars anymore. I'm starting to realize exactly how a little bit dull some of that driving stuff can actually be in those games. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that uh, I was reminded of uh, this weekend when I was at this golf outing, I have a, uh, there's a lot of, you know, the older crowd on my dad's side of the family, and then a lot of the kids that are uh, a little bit younger than me, and... Most of my family, you know, doesn't have an idea what I do for a living. They have a very casual interest in video games as much as anyone has a casual interest in sort of pop culture. And at least five or six times, both from the older crowd and from the younger crowd, I had people asking me about Grand Theft Auto V. And all they could talk about was, like, how amazing the, the trailers on TV look and, oh, my God, you can play golf in it. And it's sort of, you know... It definitely grounded my perspective, especially as we have this discussion about, you know, us having played each of these games and played them for dozens and dozens of hours, you know, forgetting that I think sometimes the that there are people like that who play a game every couple of years, like a Madden or Call of Duty GTA, these people that, you know, we sort of talk about in the abstract but absolutely exist, and then they look at that and they just go, holy shit, and that's fine with them because when they only sort of come to these games every once in a while, it's all the more impressive because these games sort of exist in a vacuum for them as opposed to us who just, you know, you just played through a lot of Saints Row, I just beat Saints Row, and we tend to look at these games, uh, you know, stacked up next to what's come before them and our experience from the from the one before uh, when for a lot of people, uh, they're, you know, th- they look at that and it's just incredibly impressive. And I don't blame them. When they explain it to me and why they think it looks interesting, I can't... I can't really refute it. Uh, all I can really say is that I play video games for a living, and then I sort of have a skewed perspective on what my expectation should be. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, have we talked enough about GTA Five at this point? You know, especially considering we haven't actually had the chance to play it yet. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, yeah. Th- I think that's I think that's 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 pretty fair. Um, so you ended up playing a bunch of Saints Row then, huh? I sure did. Uh, yeah, I played. Uh, I, don't know, I think I'm about I'm about the eighty percent mark in terms of, of of stuff done in that game at this point. Um, you know, I, I I think at this point I'm ready to say G- uh, Saints Row Three is still my favorite in the series overall, just in terms of uh, stuff you do and the stuff that they throw at you and the the, the characterizations and all that stuff, but. Saints Row 4 is a hell of a game. That is that is that is a weird, fun, bizarre game that, in a lot of ways, that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, specifically, I was not expecting it to be as heavy on the the side mission stuff as it is, because a lot of that game is revolved around, um, you know, extended versions of of the side missions and and new side missions that uh, didn't appear in three. Uh, which a lot of people complained about the, the side missions in 3. A lot of people didn't really like them. I ended up doing all of them, which I did not expect. I normally am not the sort of person who who takes the time to do a lot of those, but I ended up doing all of them in 3. Uh, I'm probably not going to do all of them in 4, because not all of them are, are that spectacular. I don't really like the platforming stuff or the, the speedrun stuff or the, the running around races kind of shit, but everything else I've been doing, and uh, I've been enjoying it quite a lot. Um, the main thing that struck me... Uh, that that made me kind of, and I don't. This might have been something that we talked about at the panel at PAX. I can't remember what the. I remember we were talking about it a little bit. I can't remember what the, the the exactly what was said, but it's it's amazing to me how much that series has basically turned into the Fast and Furious franchise of video games. And you know, in the sense that it is so up its own ass with its weird, bizarre backstory. Like it is constantly referencing it. It is leaning on it in a way that open-world games don't normally do. And it is so obsessed with this this notion of kind of like scumbag community, you know, makeshift family kind of thing, exactly the same way the Fast and Furious franchise is. But obviously, this is much more parody than, than the movies are. But it's the same notion of, here are these characters that we are going to make you fall in love with because we are just going to, we are going to push them so hard in a way that we normally don't do with side characters like this in franchises like this, and it works so much better than it has any right to, because there's no reason in the world you should care about, like, half the care, at least at least two-thirds of the characters in Saints Row. They're, like, they start out as kind of these weird throwaway stereotypes, like, early on in the series, and then between three and four, somehow, they made these people into some of the most endearing motherfuckers in, in crime game. I don't even know how it happened, but I love it. I love that they have gotten so obsessed with this stuff, and I love that they they have fleshed out these personalities in such a way to make them endearing. Yeah, I actually found it, it pretty strange that they or unfortunate because if if that the the loyalty missions, which I think were my favorite part of the game, and I don't want to give away too much about them just because they're great. The way they play the way they play out are are so funny and they do endear you to the characters in in such a great way and provide backstory that legitimately fleshes them out as like more than the 2D uh, sort of cardboard cutouts that they could totally be for the kind of game that that Saints Row is otherwise. Uh, it's if you're the sort of person that just sort of like mainlines the game, like you're, you're going to be missing out on a whole lot of really interesting context and some of the most fun missions in the game. Oh yeah. Uh, in the loyalty stuff, and it's and I think it's too bad that they made it side mission stuff because some of the other side, like the quote-unquote side missions, where they just bundle together a bunch of the th- objectives you can do in the open world and pr- try to present that as a side mission so you can unlock a weapon 
or a power-up or something of that nature. Like, I stopped doing those maybe about four hours into the game because I was like, I'm on to you, game. These are all stupid. Like, you're just trying to get me to do the stuff in your open world that I didn't care for in the last game and I don't really care for in this game either because with Saints Row, I am there for the absurdity and hacking stores is not like no. not absurd or even necessarily all that fun. It's not it's not a particularly great puzzle game. So like the parts that are wacky in four, you know, like shit like the America gun and the dubstep gun and, you know, the fucking smoking alien drugs out of a you know, out of a light bulb kind of shit. It's all really good. But I think three had a much more consistent through line of this is all just bananas top to bottom. Like this one gets a little bit too and I think this is because of the, the sort of nature of that game where it sort of came from this DLC idea that they fleshed out a whole bunch into something more. Uh, there's just a little too individual parody skit stuff in there. Like, and all the, the different sci-fi, you know, conventions they're trying to hit. Like, here's the, you know, here's, here's, here's the random Armageddon reference with the Aerosmith song. Like, here's the, you know, the Matrix stuff that we're going to toss in there. Here's the, the you know... I appreciate some of the conventions they're making fun of, and I like some of the jokes, but I think that, you know, honestly, like, the best parts of that game aren't even necessarily the comedy. It's the fact that you can just dive around that world like a stupid idiot, run up walls and, you know, jump hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air and fly around and just, you know, the the part where they made a crackdown game in a weird way became the best part of that game for me, which was what I was not expecting at all. I just wish there were about half the amount of orbs or whatever they they call them in that the game. The clusters, uh, yeah. There yeah, are a lot yeah. of them. There's a, I think a thousand and that's yeah. about 500 too many. I mean, I I'm, you know, I'm not a completionist anyway. No. Uh so it's tough for me to sort of get engaged with that stuff um to begin with, but I really enjoyed like going from mission to mission, you know, you get to a new area and then spend 20 minutes collecting them, not because and I wasn't even necessarily doing it because the the collection part was grabbing me. It was because the platforming of all things was actually pretty satisfying where I felt this real sense of control over the the character where it was fun every it was this, it, its own little mini game uh, where every single time you'd shoot up into the air and think like oh I can get there like I can set down there I, I'm gonna jump and then I'm gonna glide and I'm gonna fall right into this to this uh, to this cluster and grab it um, and I found that to be endlessly entertaining except when I realized that eventually I'm gonna hit a, a cap where I'm going to have to spend so much time looking for the ones that I don't already have that you know I, I sort of lost interest. By, by the time the story was up, I'd gotten about as many as I was going to get unless I was, you know say, within spitting distance. Like, if there were only 500 and I'd gotten 450 or something like that, I would have gone and done the last 50 just to explore the world some more. Sure. But, you know, as, as it stood, like the idea of going around and collecting hundreds and hundreds of more of those was just, was just too much for me. But yeah, you're right. Like, the fact that they actually made... You know, a better sequel to Crackdown than Crackdown Two. I know, right? Absolutely not what I was expecting when I turned on that game. No, and you know, I to to its credit, that made exploring Steelport again a lot more interesting because I really liked driving around and doing dumb shit in Saints Row Three. I thought that you know, because it was a new city at the time, you know, that was fun. That was fun to explore that area. But four, it's like literally the same city, just with some different aesthetics. But adding those clusters on top of it made me want to get around everywhere and look everywhere for stuff. You know, again, I'm not a completionist either, but when you put so many of those things in so many obvious places, I'm going to try and collect as many of those things as I can uh, before you know before my time is done. And at this point, I think I've collected about 600 of those damn things. You know, I don't. I, 
I haven't really been keeping super count of it, but I I have I have been regularly taking time out of my 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 playtime to go make sure and I there are clusters in like a general you know vicinity of me. I'm gonna go get them. Damn it. Were you one of those people that? ever got obsessed with finding the packages or the pigeons in GTA games? Because I had some friends that, not even really into video games that much, you know, sort of people that just play a GTA game or a Madden or a Call of Duty, and they just went so far down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. In 3, I uh, I spent a lot of time looking for the packages, and I think I, I looked for a bunch of that stuff in Vice City as well. Um... But I did not really get into it past that. I kind of, like, well, I, I, Vice City, I didn't do a whole lot of it in. I think I, I, at a certain point, I was just like, that is too much. That is just too much to try and collect. Uh, I just mostly want to, like, look around, find all the uh, the actual interaction stuff I can do. Just collecting packages at a certain point is not that exciting to me. But, you know, at least with the clusters, there's that upgrade element to it. Um, and there are so many of them in so many obvious places, which is what helps, too. Uh, when things are super obfuscated and hard to find, like, it sounds like in GTA V, there is a, a collectible equivalent in that game, but they are so spread out and they are so hard to find that a lot of people haven't found very many of them, which is great, and I'm sure the obsessive people will love it. I probably won't even bother looking for them. Patrick. Oh, no. I think I lost Patrick. I think we've lost Patrick. Oh no. Oh dear. Uh, I don't know what to do here. Um, we even ended up in a situation. Oh wait, wait. Hey, there he is. Hey, look. Oh man, there he is. He figured it out all on its own. He's Way back. To Way to go. There's still a, a picture in the center of you with your frozen ass face. Oh, okay, now it's gone. But there was just a frozen picture of you with your mouth hanging <laughs> open. That was pretty great. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I go continue on. I don't know where you were or what point you were making. Uh, I just talked a whole bunch about. Keep going. I already. I just said a whole bunch about collectible stuff. Uh, which is to say, yes, I played some. Pa I, I collected some packages in three and in uh, Vice City, and then uh, I stopped. So we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, well, I, I, you know, regardless of you know what we have said or not said about GTA or. Have, having not played it, I am I'm I'm psyched to 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 get into it tomorrow. Yeah, I am too. If only because I want to see what that thing is. I think it is important to play those games. Uh, you should play them all the way to the end because they cause so much conversation. They they generate so much interest um, from people that are are close to games or outside of games. Uh, that you know they are sort of cultural touchstones. They are big moments in the industry that. I want to be a part of. I want to know what they are. You know, sort of. No matter how I end up falling uh, on that spectrum. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I will. I will be there tomorrow morning picking up a copy for myself. Um, even though I certainly had some pause after. How was it? Someone dumped something on the paste bin that could be a ton, a bunch of BS, but you know, alleging that they found references to you know PS4 and PC versions of the game because, uh, by all accounts, it sounds like this runs just fine on current gen consoles. Yeah. But, you can't help but look at it and go, my God, what that would look like on something a little bit better would just be oh, something and else. You know what's going to happen is I'm going to buy... I already got the 360 version pre-ordered. It'll be here tomorrow. I Like you, I am very much looking forward to playing it. I, um, I have never... like Again, with the exception of the PSP games, there is no main GTA game I have ever not enjoyed So on some level. So I'm sure I will enjoy this one plenty. Uh, as far as the next-gen stuff is concerned, you know, for me, 
this is a nice send-off for the current generation of consoles. Like, I can't think of a bigger, more noteworthy note to go out on uh, than, you know, with a big-ass GTA sequel. So, for me, like, if that's the last big thing I play on my, my 360, you know, I'm totally cool with that. And I like having something like that to kind of be sort of, you know, my, my, my bid-adieu game uh, uh, for, for my 360. But, you know, whenever they decide to release their, you know, Game of the Year DLC Collection Edition that comes out on PS4 and Xbox One and PC or whatever, then, you know what, I'll probably play at least some of that too because, god damn it, those motherfuckers had their hooks in me for years. They're not letting go. I'm fine with that. I just know I'm going to end up playing it again at some point and damn them for that. Well, and we'll see how this uh, GTA Online stuff goes. You know, I've got uh, a buddy of mine uh, out here yes. that he barely plays any games, but he's picking that up, and he's like, make sure you get the 360 version so we can play together. And I think online, GTA Online is this big question mark that, you know, I think IGN and a couple outlets have had, you know, some impressions of, but I, I've, I've not read too much about it. But, you know, that trailer they put out, seem mighty impressive, and the idea yeah. of like going up on a plane with a bunch of your buddies and just parachuting out, and maybe that's the start of a heist. You know, in some ways, that sounds potentially more exciting than than anything I've read about the game so far. If it works, yeah. if, it, if it, you know, but it sounds like they're they're really going for it on this one. And damn, that you know, the prospects of it, you know, at least on paper. Uh, could be something else. Yeah, I mean, if that works, if that really works the way they say it does, and if people really get into that, that could be the meaningful progression for that series that I've been kind of looking for all the way. I mean, it's not it, it's not a a narrative thing, but you know, who says it has to be? You know, for all I know, that could be no, the but, evolution. But there is. That, well, yeah, there is and there's not. I mean, there's there's a narrative element to it, but it's not like the main narrative of the game is the online part. The online part is its oh, own sure, kind of right. weird separate deal, and you know. But if that deal turns out to be awesome, then that could actually be the thing that, you know, suddenly, you know, rekindles my my super duper excitement for what that series can be in the future. Yeah. That we'll is, see. That's true. So it's, it's a GTA week, so it is gonna be that's all people are gonna be talking about all week. Um, let's see, we've got uh we got a couple of headlines uh, that I pulled from that we'll riff on uh, while uh, people in the chat, uh, if you want to at me uh, and shoot some questions over. Um, we will call a couple of those uh, before we, we wrap up the show. Um, weirdly enough, a lot of Kickstarters launched over the weekend. Um, oh, yeah. One for Mutant League, Mutant Football League. They're looking for 750k. And hang on, I just about spit out my water. That was pretty great. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like this one is even crazier. James Pond. Yeah, I saw that one. What? Yeah, hey, so, who remembers James Pond? That's my first question to the chat. Who remembers James Pond and actually played James Pond? Are those games any good? I don't want to be judgmental. I don't I just have I've never played them, but that just seems like such a strange franchise to bring back. I played, maybe that is just I played one of the first ones long like right around the time it came out like forever ago and I remember zero about it. I remember nothing about those games. I I, I knew that they existed, but until so I saw that Kickstarter, I had completely erased that franchise from my head. James Pond 2, codename Robocod. James Pond 3, Operation Starfish. Oh, and there was a James Pond in the Deathly Shallows in 2011. Oh, God. James Pond in the Deathly Shallows? Yeah, I'm that's not a, a little... I'm not a big fan of puns. I'm not a big fan of that. That's a little yeah. on the nose. Oof. It's a little much. So I don't know. Uh, I, I was obsessed with Mutant Football League as a kid. Oh, yeah. 
everyone loved Newton League football. Uh, if you like sports games at all, uh, even on just like a you know a, a tentative level, uh, Newton League football was super super fun. Uh, I didn't see who who is behind that Kickstarter. Who who is making that happen? It's being made in Morton Grove, Illinois, which is uh-huh. not unreasonably far from where I am. Um, let's see. I'm trying to scroll down and see what the developers are. Let's see. Oh, it's got the you know, it's got the original creative director Michael Mendheim. He, according to the Kickstarter, has worked in the video game industry for over 20 years and is the original creator and designer of both. Mutant League Football and Hockey. He's the driving force behind the new Mutant Football League project and will oversee all design development. Uh, looks like some of his... He worked on Def Jam Icon, I guess. Also, hip-hop trivia for the Nintendo DS. Ah! <laughs> and Army Men Sarge's Heroes for the Nintendo 64, alongside Battle Tanks. I want to oh, say okay. I liked Battle Tanks, but I don't... That is that is a very vague memory. I don't remember a whole lot about Battle Tanks, to be honest with you. Battle Tanks. Uh... Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm, I mean, whatever. If someone wants to try and make a new mutant league, uh, Mazel Tov. Good luck with that. I hope it's good. Um, Seven hundred fifty k is a lot of money. That's don't fuck it up. That's all I got. Don't fuck it up. James Bond, uh, on the other hand, uh, feel free to fuck that up. I guess I don't know. I don't really know enough. <laughs> I don't remember enough about James Bond to actually have a meaningful opinion about that. But you know, do whatever you like. Make James Bond a thing again. I guess I don't know. That feels like we're yeah, so, really mining nostalgia there in the weirdest ways possible. Yeah, is this where we're actually reading, reaching like the bottom of the Kickstarter hole? Is when we start to get James Pond reboots? Is that is that like the, the first sign of the the coming crowdfunding apocalypse? I don't know if it's the first sign of the apocalypse, but it's definitely an indicator that that something is amiss. You know, it's the first in, it, it's the first indication that there is something evil stirring in Mordor. So, you know, let's uh, let's just keep an eye on that for now. Let's see. There was a, uh, a Major Nelson on Twitter uh, over the weekend to go a photo of the first retail Xbox One box. So that stuff is starting to to roll out the production line, and it's sort of weird to see, like, yo, man, I could plug that box into my TV. There'd be nothing to play on it. Nothing yeah. to do with it, but it's weird to see like an actual box that is the equivalent of what we're going to be, you know, purchasing in stores. And you know, it's you know, it's still two months away, but uh, it's not that long. But it's weird to see it all packaged up that that early. But that's the thing. It's the first. I mean, look again, Wii U. I know it exists. Whatever. It's the first new next generation console thing that we've had in like seven or eight years at this point. So, you know, the idea of a shiny new box full of, you know, fresh, shiny video game magic uh, is a thing to be at least a little bit excited about. So, yeah, I mean, I I saw that and I was a little bit, I don't want to say giddy, but I was definitely a little bit like, hmm, new console soon. Yay. Yeah, that is is definitely fair. Um, I don't know. I didn't didn't see much else that was all that interesting. It would be... We'd probably, be, we'd probably be reaching to talk about a free-to-play SingStar. Yeah, so I'm going to say, hey, let's not reach there. Let's not, let's not reach to that direction. SingStar seemed all right. I don't know how... Sure, free-to-play. That seems yeah. like a, a viable business model for a karaoke game. Um, oh, here was, oh, here was actually some news that, that came out. Um, you see the stuff about Criterion? No. So they're down... They're, like, splitting into two studios... Okay. Um, where uh, let me actually pull up uh, an actual headline. The 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 basics of it is that the core of Criterion, 
uh, has split off and they've become Ghost UK. Yeah. Um, okay. But they, I think that's the name whereas of the rest, of black metal band, but all right. Where, uh, wait, let me actually read it so I'm getting this right and see. Ward explicitly stated that much of Criterion left to continue working on Need for Speed in the okay. Ghost UK is now a Need for Speed studio. They are heading okay. up the Need for Speed franchise going forward. Uh, whereas uh, Criterion has maintained their name, and then there are 17 people, and they are off making something completely new. Which, and then he also, you know, this was Alex Ward on Twitter. This wasn't even a press release. He just sort of started spouting about it on Twitter as he is wont to do. Um, but, you know, he, then he started to, you know, sort of defend EA because there were people that immediately sort of came out uh, sort of backlashing against this news saying like, oh, EA is ruining yet another studio. Uh, and, you know, Alex Ward's perspective on it was, well, no, they're, you know, we've set up this, we found these people that want to make Need for Speed games and we're going to make better Need for Speed games than, than have been seen in the past. And we're also getting to split off and do our own thing and start something brand new, which, you know, that seems fine. Like, I, you know, I mean, it's, at least they're getting the option to, to go and kind of make their own thing and, you know, not go down completely uh, the Need for Speed black hole uh, for the foreseeable future. What was the last uh, non-burnout original thing that Criterion made? It was that that shooting game that they kept referring black. to as black. Yes, gun porn. So, so let me be the first to say that my hope is that they are doing something more interesting than black with their time because they are incredibly talented to it studio. I really like what those guys do. I like Alex Ward a lot. Uh, I hope what they are working on is something cool and because I know it's not going to be another burnout sequel, sadly. So let's hope it's something interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Fetter Dave in the chat asked, you know, the big question, does this mean we'll get, never get another Burnout game? Um, That's not happening. But, yeah, this does seem to suggest that, that Burnout uh, is sort of uh, on ice for, for the time being, but, you know, if the Burnout franchise goes out with Burnout Paradise, uh, that, is, that is a pretty high note. Uh, and, and, and let's be real, a lot of burnout has found its way into Need for Speed over the last few years. So it's not like there's none of that in existence right now. It's just, you know, not quite as crash-happy and obliterative as perhaps burnout was. But, you know, that, that sick-ass sense of speed and the cars and, you know, some of the design stuff, that's all there in, in Need for Speed now, so. Uh, let's see. James Pond Bombastica, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, you might have just signed yourself up. Nope, to, I don't remember. Uh, to check out near James enough. Bond. Uh, no. well, we'll, have, we'll just have to start a Kickstarter to get uh, to get Alex to take a look at James Pond and record himself. If I make enough, the last stretch goal was me just hanging myself at the end of it. <laughs> Dark. Dark. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um. Mr. Craggle asks, Rocks started this generation with table tennis. That's not the end of his question, but I should point out, uh, that although that was not a game for me, that is well-revered as one of Rockstar's best games and table has nothing awesome. to do with what they normally do. So, that is yeah. that, that was an uh, early-ass 360 game, too. That was like one of the earliest examples of, you know, kind of graphically what the 360 could do, and that game was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it was impressive visually looking. So yeah, it was you know as he as Mr. Craggle points out, it was used to demonstrate their Rage engine. Uh, do you see them doing something similar for next gen? Uh, I mean, you know, if we're if we're getting GTA Five right at the end of this generation, I mean, it, yeah. I guess it wouldn't shock me if if they chose to do something uh, small and different at the at the start of the next. But they haven't done something small 
in a while. Uh, no. And it's also hard to predict. You know, it's the idea that I'm going to sit here and actually know what Rockstar is up to next uh, seems seems like that's not what a gambling person should do. Uh, it seems like something no. that you're you're destined to lose. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be sitting here claiming that Agent is still in development, which it might be. I don't know. Also, if they were going to do something as an early uh, benchmark for the next-gen stuff, I think we would have heard about it by now. I think they probably would have at least said... I mean, I know that they're, you know they're one of those studios that can get away with announcing their game six months before it comes out and then, you know, still getting, still selling millions of copies. But I think at this point, if they have some smaller project in the works, we probably would have heard something about its existence by now. Also, are they still working on Agent or whatever that thing is? Like, isn't that something that's theoretically still in development? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. who knows what they're doing right now. Cancel all that stuff and make Blue too. Yeah. Um... Ergo Demise asks, how do you guys feel about reviews on early access or games you pay for that are still in alpha slash beta? Mm. Does, it, does it being for sale condemn it to an incomplete review? I think that's one of those cases where if you're going to write about an early access game, I don't know if a, if a straight review is the, the, the format for it. I think that's one of those things where you can write an article saying, hey, here's what this game is right now here's what you're paying for right now. Here's what it's aiming to be. And you can certainly put in something that says, should I buy this right now? And, you know, that can be the, the kind of, you know, your, your, your criticism on that level if you want. But, I don't know, I think giving a scored, you know, final theoretically reviews to games that are very, you know, visibly in alpha and beta, even if you are, you know, if they are charging people for them to essentially participate in that stuff, it, it just, I don't know, it, it feels like it just kind of immediately invalidates the review whenever that game, you know, eventually comes out to its its full version. But then again, that's that's the same problem that we've had for years in game reviews where games that come out at launch are broken in some way or have some major problem, and then they patch them a week later and suddenly that review is no longer relevant. So that gets into a whole other conversation about, you know, the kind of nebulousness of reviews and whether they can be sort of, you know, sh whether they can shift that way over time. But I think you're doing a game a disservice if you're just writing your review like while it's in early access because they are very definitively saying, this is not the final game. You can participate in this and you can charge, you can pay to be a part of this right now if you want to. And I think you can certainly write something about that, but I don't think that's where your final review should go. Yeah, and I think from, from our perspective as a site that does a pretty limited selection of reviews, you know, our, our sort of you know, policy on it uh, has been... You know, we kind of look at a lot of those games in quick looks, uh, yeah. where it's like, look, you can buy this game. That means it's, you know, fair game to be, you know, not, you know, a preview thing. This is us judging the game in some way, but quick looks don't have scores attached. Quick looks are things that, you know, we can come back to in a different, in another quick look or in, in, in a different, in a different show. And at least it's saying, hey, here's our take on it. Here's what we think of it so far. Uh, yeah. Here's a little about what it is uh, that gives you at least some you know, information before you actually click buy, uh, especially given that there are some early access games that charge more for early access than how much the actual final game uh, is going to cost. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of how we, we approach that. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I'm with you that uh, writing a review uh, for a game ahead of time uh, when they're being pretty clear and upfront about the nature of it uh, would, would seem to be a little suspect. Yeah, so I would say, you know, Find ways to cover that stuff, but don't just review it, because that's not okay. Civit uh, asks a pretty specific quick question. How demanding is a machine for pigs on the PC? Not demanding. 
you, you'll probably be okay with a pretty modest uh, PC. And if you've never played the original Amnesia, uh, The Dark Descent, uh, I mean, I played that thing to completion on uh, an aging, like, uh, MacBook. Like, not even a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Uh, so that, that thing scales like crazy uh, and will run on just about, just about anything. Um, Aeronautical asks, what is the next big intensive game you're planning on diving into uh, once you're past uh, GTA? Hmm. I'm not sure. Is there a game as big as GTA? I mean, there's even nothing... in that ballpark? There's nothing coming out for a couple of weeks that's that's anywhere near as, as that you know that level of giant. But in terms of you know stuff, I'm kind of looking forward to before the end of the year. I mean, oh hell, I don't even remember what games are coming out this year. To be honest with you, I've kind of my brain is kind of shut off as far as that stuff goes. I have a bunch of backlog games I've been meaning to play. I still haven't played Tomb Raider, so I've been yeah, you know, I, trying to find an excuse to do that. I got these games. I'm pretty. I'm looking forward to these games. Yeah, see that, there one. you go. Ooh. I, I I might actually sit down and play Puppeteer at some point. That seems like the kind of thing my girlfriend would would really enjoy uh, either playing or watching me play. Uh, but yeah, you should you should definitely jump in on some Rayman first chance you get because that shit is good. Yeah. So and supposedly I've heard this from a couple of people. Um, the so Puppeteer has a, uh, a 3D. You know, it's one of the few. It doesn't. It's not bragging about it. It's not like something I'd even heard about before the game came out. But uh, it it has 3D and apparently looks. Spectacular, and my as long as I'm here at my parents' house, uh, my mom has a 3D TV uh, downstairs, so uh, I am intending to actually play that game uh, in 3D, at least some chunk of it. To to, because I've never played a game for more than I think maybe 10 minutes uh, in in 3D, so I'd actually like to to give that a shot and see uh, see how that works. Yeah, the only 3D games I've played have been on 3DS, like, and I played pretty much all of Luigi in 3D just because I kind of liked it, but um, as far as the console stuff goes, I never tried any of that PS3 3D stuff, so I, I don't know how it is. But yeah, by all means, try it out. Report back. Let us know how Puppeteer in 3D is. Um, a lot of people asking if any of us will try the wonderful 101. Um, yeah. I, would like, I would like to, but that is probably one of those games that I will... Alongside Pikmin 3, uh, try and get to like in December when we're getting yeah. close to having to start thinking about our lists, and you know, uh, I, I don't suspect those two will maybe be in hot contention, but you know, yeah. um, I like Pikmin a lot, but I'm not sure if it's going to make my. I, I'm not even sure it currently makes my top ten in terms of stuff I've played this year, but. Uh, what little I've played of Wonderful 101 at events and stuff, uh, I really didn't care for that much. I mean, if I'm completely honest, like, I think it's a cute-looking game. I think it has kind of a neat premise, but mechanically, it really did almost nothing for me. Um, I might try it out again before, you know, the year is over, if I can borrow someone else's copy. But it's just, it did not seem like the kind of game that I would really get into. And I've read some of the reviews, and it seems like some of the, the problems I had with its controls and its mechanics... Uh, were echoed by a lot of people in terms of the final product, so it just doesn't really seem like my thing. Oh, people are pointing out, you know, uh, my most anticipated game, but anticipated might be in quotes, beyond. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that Cannot is going to be interesting. Cannot wait to play that. Cannot yeah. wait. Psyched. Psyched. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually thinking about maybe trying to pipe up to review that one, because I'm, I'm, I'm super curious about it, and, you know, as someone... I... Okay, I have a weird relationship with David Cage games. Uh, I really liked Indigo Prophecy when that game came out. Like, yeah, it kind of fell apart at the end, and but at the time, I didn't really think it had. Then I went back and played it again a few years later, and I was like, no, wait, people, this, everything everyone said about this ending is absolutely true. 
this is kind of fucked up and stupid, but the first three quarters of that game, weird couple of weird things aside, really good. Um, I did not get around to finishing uh, Heavy Rain because at a certain point, I kind of lost interest in that narrative altogether, and I just didn't like what it was doing mechanically enough to want to keep going. So, you know, going into Beyond, I kind of have a mixed experience with his stuff, and I played it at a couple of different demos. And I've played both that original demo, which was, you know, kind of more just about the spooky ghost stuff, and then I played the crazy Mogadishu, you know, zero dark Jody fucking, you know, crazy demo that everyone saw at E3 this year. I have no idea what to think about that game. I have no idea what to make of it. I have no preconceptions of what that game is going to be, and that's kind of why I'm interested in it and why I actually kind of want to play it and review it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100% on board with you uh, to, to have that perspective on that game. So um, as we wind this down, uh, what, do you, what do you got on tap for this week? What are you, what's your, what are you doing? So I'll be able to talk to you uh, on the next show about the stuff I saw last week, uh, Batman and right. some of that other stuff. That was when the embargo will be up. Uh, I'm also going to go see a couple of other smaller games this week that I'm looking forward to, including the new Adventure Time game. Yay! I'm excited about that. No one else probably is excited about that, but I am. That That's uh, like the Dungeon Crawler one, yeah, right? Yeah, The, hey, let's explore the dungeon because I don't know. Um, that's that, a great title. That's, a, yeah. that's an amazing title. That is a very Adventure Time kind of title, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out at some point this week. But uh, other than that, it's actually a, a slower week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get some filming done that I've been meaning to do. I got I collected some some older games last week and started playing through them a little bit so that I could uh, record some bombascas. I've been having weird tech problems trying to get my N64 to record footage properly on my uh, computer, but I think I finally worked that out on Friday, so I should be able to finally do some uh, some stuff off some old saves that I have. And uh, other than that, you know, I'm going to finish Saints Row, and then GTA shows up tomorrow, and that's probably going to eat up all of my nights this week. Uh, but that's fine. I'm more than happy to let it. Uh, and that's kind of my week right now. What are you What are you looking at right now? Yeah, I've I've got to sort of finish off uh, Amnesia and Outlast. That is that is sort of my plan for this week. I need to I need to cut those guys loose so I can continue on uh, as the as the game onslaught uh, kind of c- continues. Um, I got to sit down and figure out what exactly I'm, uh, how much I'm doing for for the site this week. I'm definitely uh, in this week sort of in preparation mode to try and um, get a bunch of stuff ready for October. I've been right. uh, I've been playing these horror games and then wanting to sit down and write all these stories that I've been kind of jotting down, but I want to save that stuff uh, for for a more appropriate venue. So uh, this week might be uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, other than that, just like. Uh, Regardless of what I'm doing on the site, just trying desperately to sort of catch up um, so that I, my backlog doesn't get too bad. Because, yeah, I, I think I saw on Twitter Steven Totillo of Kotaku saying that, you know, he spent 42 hours in Grand Theft Auto before he sat down and wrote his review, which means that game's big. That's, yeah. There's going to be a lot to do in that game. and that there's, is going a, to... there's a lot of map in that game. You're going to see a lot of stuff. Yeah, so well, I'm looking forward to it. So, well, we'll leave it there, and then we will join ever again uh, on Friday uh, talk about some of the games that uh, you checked out this week and, and whatever I'm able to play through. We can give uh, some more actual uh, appreciate everyone. Five. Yeah, yeah. Being informed. Be uh, I hear that helps. Uh, so uh, that'll do it for Bombing in the AM. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we will see you guys again on Friday. How? <laughs>